This is Why We Write, a podcast of Leslie University. Every episode, we bring you conversations with authors from the Leslie community to talk about books, writing, and the writing life. I'm Georgia Sparling, and today I'm joined by Tracy Batiste to talk about how to be creative under pressure, whether that's because of politics, pandemics, or life's everyday problems. Tracy is the author of the popular middle grade series, um, The Jumbies, and she has two new books coming out this year. Um, She's a writing mentor and coach and is a faculty member in our MFA and creative writing program here at Leslie. She's also a repeat guest. So welcome back, Tracy. Hey, Georgia. Thank you for having me back. Yes, well, we're so happy to have you back. So a thing that I've heard a lot among creative people in the past year is the idea that, you know, a lot of us are working from home, so we should have written a million books and launched amazing <laughs> creative projects. <laughs> but that's not really the reality, though. I've read a lot of books, but I haven't written that much. Um, so what has it been like for you as a writer this past year? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, the interruption in routine, I think, has been the hardest part of dealing with the pandemic, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because the fact of the matter is, as writers, we actually kind of do rely on routine to get us to the writing desk, to get us to writing that first page, or to get us to um, you know, sitting down someplace to revise. We actually do very, very much rely on routine. And so the break in routine uh, has been pretty devastating to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. fact is, you know, a lot of people have been able to push through, like, uh, you know, um, we're used to working and we understand pressure and we understand sort of intellectually that we can only control the things that we can control. And so we're, we're very much trying to push through, but there is certainly a mental and emotional cost to just trying to push through without recognizing that you're missing so much stuff from your usual mm-hmm. life. And, and then when you, you know, hit that sort of breaking point where you're like, wait, why, why am I not writing yeah. Indie novels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you start beating yourself up about it. But if you really think about it, it's that you don't have the circumstances that you are used to, to be creative. And so it has become much, much, much more difficult to be creative. And, um, and you know, we need to give ourselves a break. It, it took me a while to, to figure that out, though, last yeah. year. It was, yeah. it was not automatic. I, I will say that. And you're a mom, um, you have two kids, I believe, and a husband. (laughs) Have you guys all been in the same (laughs) small space for the past year plus? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's hard. I mean, Mm. I think it would be harder if the kids were a lot younger. My kids are both teenagers. My daughter is a freshman in college. My son is a freshman in high school. And, um, you know, we fortunately live in a house that's large enough that everybody has their own space so Mm -hmm. that during the day when everybody's working, because the kids have not been back to school since March of last year, when everybody is working, everybody is in their own space. The kids are in their own rooms doing their own thing. Uh, I have my own office in the house. My husband has his own office in the house. 
um, he actually did not have an office pre-pandemic. <laughs> we made him an office in the guest room on the third floor. Um, we, we like literally moved our library out into the hallway <laughs> so <laughs> that he could have an office space. So we're fortunate in that. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure you know, and a lot of creatives will know and understand that when you are working in a space, the energy of a space becomes very different when there are other people in it, even if those other people are quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really the same kind of environment. And so it, once again, becomes much more difficult to do your usual stuff, even if you are in your usual space, because you're very much aware that there are other people around. And for me, especially having the absolute silence of the house is kind of critical to my process because I really want to not be thinking about anything Mm -hmm. um, other than the work, other than, you know, what it is I have in front of my face. And even though the kids are in their rooms doing their own thing and my husband is, you know, up in his office doing his own thing, I still have them on the periphery of my mental capability or you know like they're Mm -hmm. they're like right on the edge of my um senses at all times because i know that at any moment um somebody might come in and want something ask for something be having difficulties with their computer um you know are hungry are you know yeah all of the usual (laughs) stuff and so there is this very tiny part of me that is still paying attention that is still sort of you know like mommy mode is on and Mm -hmm. so I cannot give my full attention to my work and so that has also been hard and also really exhausting because you're doing two jobs simultaneously you have to do the job of parenting while you are doing the job of your job of of writing um so it, it has been exhausting, even though we have been going nowhere and sitting down <laughs> yeah. the entire time. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of working parents can for sure um, relate to that. And even, I mean, I'm not one of those, but even, yeah, you just get to the end of the day and you're like, why am I so tired? I have gone nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of this computer. I, I, I have really leaned into taking naps in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Naps are pretty great. (laughs) So what kind of things are you hearing from your students who I'm sure are, you know, we're all in the same boat in some, in one way this past year? Yeah, it's, it's really been difficult. Um, You know, I've had a few students who have really struggled with the pandemic in various ways. Um, One of my students, it was because they had to relocate. Um, You Mm. know, we've had people losing jobs. Uh, You know, we have teachers who do our program and who have had to do that same pivot from in-school teaching to online teaching, which is, is really incredibly difficult. So we've had to have a lot of grace for our students so that they can acclimate to what has become our new normal, even if it is a temporary normal. Mm. Um, and, you know, giving them sort of more time to work through things. 
in some cases, I've been much more lax about my requirements. And um, if you'll talk to any of my students, you'll know, like, I am, I am like the hardest pusher. Like, I am that person. <laughs> like, I came from a British educational system. And so there mm-hmm. is no mercy in my... <laughs> In the way that I approach <laughs> teaching, <laughs> you know, it's very merciless. It's very like, these are the things you have to do. If it's not precise and exact, you know, um, why are you here? You know, you, I, I am here to push you as hard as you can be pushed. Like that's, that's my job, you know? Um, so um, I've had to let go of that to meet this particular moment so that students are not additionally stressed by their art as they are by the rest of their life. Um, because that's just, it, it is no conditions under which to create anything. The funny thing is, um, when I told people that I was going to lay back and they could hand in whatever they could possibly hand in, they amazingly kind of rose to the challenge. It, it's it's sort of freed something up in them. They were like, okay, mm-hmm. now that I know that I don't have to do it, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. <laughs> it was kind oh, of amazing. <laughs> Psychology is fascinating. I know. <laughs> I, the thing is, like, I didn't even plan that. Like, I wish I had been smart <laughs> enough to have planned that, but no, it just kind of worked out that way. Nice. <laughs> Um, So recently you gave a lecture during our creative writing winter residency about creating under pressure. Um, And so I wanted to bring you on today to give some advice to our listeners, some wisdom on this subject. Um, You've also got a series of videos on your website about this topic. Um, So, you know, let's jump in. (laughs) What's what's some advice? Uh, Um, Oh, my gosh. First of all. (laughs) Um, you know, my best advice in any situation for anyone doing anything at all is always to rest and hydrate. <laughs> That's always, <laughs> it's literally the first things I say. Like if anybody comes to me and they're stressed out, the kids, whomever, I'm like, have you, have you had a nap today? Did you lie down? Maybe you need to like relax. Um, have you drank mm-hmm. any water? Like That's always <laughs> like my go-to advice. That's always my starting point. Um, mm-hmm. If you are if you are uh, rested and hydrated, um, a lot of other things um, become much more easy to do. Uh, and I do tell my students to rest and hydrate, but <laughs> the kinds of things that we <laughs> talk about in the creative creativity under pressure seminar really has to do with um, you know the the kinds of things that help an author in particular to Mm -hmm. get to that writing desk, because there are a lot of things that prevent us from getting to the writing desk, especially if writing is not your full-time job. And uh, one of the first things I talked about when we got on um, to start this podcast was um, talking about a writing routine. And Mm. um, so I usually have my students read uh, a book by Twyla Tharp, who is a choreographer, and I come from the dance world as well. So it's, you know, completely mm-hmm. on brand for me to go to a dancer for advice. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called <laughs> it's called The Creative Habit. And um, it's just really about the habits that she has created for herself to be able to 
get into the studio every day and start her work. And I remember first reading it and thinking to myself, I don't know that I really have a creative habit, you know, and I feel like a lot of my students who read the book and then come to my seminar are probably thinking, what, what are you you talking about? Like, I don't have a creative (laughs) habit. But if you really think about it, there are certain things that you do um, before you you go to the desk that are things that you always do. So I'm going to quote from Twyla Tharp. Um, She's, you know, much smarter than I am, certainly. And uh, she says, the routine is as much a part of the creative process as the lightning bolt of inspiration, maybe more. And this routine is available to everyone, which I think is just Mm. such a genius way to think about the simple things that you do, the simple steps that you take to get you to wherever it is that you need to be to work. And, and, you know, for me, after I started thinking about it, it really was as simple as, um, you know, pre-pandemic, my husband and I would drop the kids off at school. Um, We would come back home, have breakfast together. He would leave for work and the dog and I, Barkley and I, would walk into the front door and if it was you know warm enough we'd like walk out on the porch and Barkley would watch him you know walk down to the bus stop but if it was cold and by cold I mean anything below 70 degrees if it's cold (laughs) (laughs) I would pick up Barkley and hold him up to the window in the door and he would watch Bart um uh, Daryl you know like head down to the bus stop and I put Barkley down and say okay time to time to go to work and he would you know, run up the stairs and run into the office and run into, um, he has like a window seat um, in one of the windows <laughs> of the office. And I would follow up after him and turn on the computer and we would start to work. And that was my habit. That was mm-hmm. the thing that I did to get me to the office every day. And I didn't think that that was a routine. But once I realized that that was my routine, when I didn't have it, you know, just acknowledging that I no longer had this routine was like, okay, so I don't have this thing that I do every day that makes me get here. Um, I acknowledge that. And this is the substitute that I'm doing in place of that to still get me to this place, to get me into this mindset to work. Because in that in that mm-hmm. little time of, you know, watching my husband sort of walk out the door and the dog and I coming up the stairs, my mind is being prepared to, okay, she's going to work now. And so by the time I get to that desk and I turn on the computer, I'm ready. And I had no Mm -hmm. idea that that was the thing that was getting me ready. So I very much encourage my students and I would encourage everybody who's listening to think about what it is they do that brings them to the writing work. And it might be as simple as I need to get myself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee first. Like that is the thing that I need to have and I need to have it, you know, in this cup or mug or whatever it is. And it needs to like sit on the right side of me, um, you know, when I go sit down in X or Y chair, like it literally could be that simple or it could be as simple as this is the notebook that I use when I am writing, if I'm writing longhand. And as soon as I pick up that notebook, it's, it's a signal to my brain that, 
okay, it's it's work time now. Like it's it's time to to get cracking. And these are just little signals that we have to ourselves that get us to the writing work. So that's usually where we start with my seminar. So do you get any pushback from that? Um, or do you find that writers tend to not like to think of themselves as being that regimented? Um, I don't think anybody really dares push back against me when I treat <laughs> There's that. I mean, I do usually start the class with the caveat that not everything that we say. In, I mean, it's it, the truth is it's not a craft class, right? It really mm-hmm. is kind of a more emotional artistic being an artist kind of class which is not really a typical master's degree type of class but I feel like it is something essential because you can have all of the craft um, classes and, and things like that in the world but if you can't get yourself to the place where you can write none of that matters and sometimes that is the hardest part so um, for me, I think it's really essential. Um, so I do start the class with the caveat that um, not everything that would be said in the class, not everything we will talk about in the class, might work for everyone. And and that's okay. Um, it is a little bit of a um, granola con- crunchy kind of class. And I am not particularly a granola crunchy kind of girl. <laughs> um, but I do think... I do very much feel that being mindful about what you do and how you come to the work is an essential part of your artistry. And so once I, you know, preempt the things that we discuss in the class with that, I think everybody kind of comes to it more um, in in more of an open way. Mm, Yeah. All right. So what's another piece of advice you've got? Um, So, Another thing that I I find a lot (laughs) that happens with people is um, trying to figure out what is happening outside, um, what is happening in the market, what other people are doing. Um, I call it I I call it um, not looking at your horizon (laughs) sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like because if you can't see your horizon, if you're looking left and right to see what everybody else is doing. Right. Um, Yeah. And it really is about trying to figure out your core values and your core beliefs, because what your art is will always come from that. And that is not replicable by other people. Like somebody else, even somebody who grew up with you, I mean, good Lord, we all have siblings and you sometimes look at your siblings and you wonder, did we? have the same parents like <laughs> how yeah you so you know like even if you grow up something you have the same sort of core you know beliefs and the same traditions and the same culture and and whatnot um you know who you are at your center is not going to be exactly the same which means that the art that you produce will never be exactly the same as somebody else's and um i think that one of the things that stymies people in their creativity is looking around and trying to replicate things that other people are doing rather than looking inward and finding, you know, who they are and focusing on that. The interesting thing about the pandemic is that there was no choice but to do that. 
because you saw mm. no one. No one was going yeah. anywhere. <laughs> Nobody was seeing anybody else. Everybody was stuck in their house with themselves, you know, and um, as difficult as that is, it also was an opportunity to turn inward and to really start thinking about you know, what's important to me? What do I really want to say? And how do I really want to say it? And so this has been an opportunity, I think, in like forcing people to focus inward a little bit. And why not use that to our advantage? So, um, so yeah, so <laughs> that, that is also one of the things we talk about in class. And it's one of the things that it's hard to talk about in class, because of course, it's not work that you can figure out in a 90 minute seminar, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I like yeah. I pose these kinds of questions to get people to start thinking, but I, I very much understand that a lot of the work of, of this particular kind of seminar happens after the seminar is finished. And, and my job really is just to like present these ideas so that you can think about them later. All right. That's great. Hit us with another piece of advice. <laughs> okay. So um, I, one of my um, favorite um, things is uh, like, I tell people to like, let their subconscious be um, uh, a part of the team. And mm. um, it's such a weird thing to say, but I have this great story that I, I usually tell and it's about the first person who ever made um, chocolate chip cookies. Do you know the story? No. No? Okay. All right. Well, I mean, okay, here's a fr <laughs> the caveat that I don't know the story exactly. So it okay. won't be like the gist, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so basically, there was this lady who was going to make chocolate cookies, but she didn't have the um, cocoa powder that you usually put in the cookie mix to, to make chocolate cookies. But she did have like baking chocolate. So she decided to like in, in bricks. So she mm -hmm. decided to like basically chop it up into tiny pieces. And she put that into the mix. And she figured that once she put it in the oven, the chocolate would melt and it would melt through the, the whole, um, the dough and would become a chocolate cookie. But that is not what happened. The bits stayed bits. And so the chocolate chip cookie was born. So I, I present that. Was her name Nestle? Was her name Nestle? <laughs> Nestle Toulouse, according to um, Phoebe Buffet from Friends. Um, <laughs> no, I think her name was Nestle. Um, but I, I present this to my students, and um, you know, then everybody wants chocolate chip cookies, of course. Um, but I say, how do we know that she was actually the first person to have made chocolate chip cookies? She was the first person to have done that and decide that it was something and say, okay, this is now a new thing, but she may not have been the very first person to have done that. So, um, and the thing that I'm trying to express is that sometimes you have to like, you know, let your mind accept new things and, and other things. And, you know, and this is where like the, the rest and relaxation sort of comes into, um, 
comes into play because you get the impression that if somebody's like super stressed about having something come out exactly the way that they want it to, and then it doesn't come out exactly the way that they want it to, if they're like really stressed and tight about it, they're not going to recognize that they've just done something new. It's going to be very hard to recognize that if you're like super tight and, and stressed out. Um, if you have had yourself a little nap and some hydration, it's going to be a lot easier for you to be for you to be pliant when you come to the work so that when something doesn't turn out exactly the way that it um, you expected it to, um, you can see the possibilities of it. And, and, and part of that is, is really allowing the subconscious to um, or allowing your mind to wonder about the things that you have done allowing it a little bit of um, stretch time so that it can think more clearly about um, what you've done and how you've done it and whether or not this might be, you know, somehow useful, uh, maybe not necessarily useful in what you're doing right now, maybe, uh, but maybe useful for something else. And, um, and that is also part of the process. You know, it's part letting your subconscious have some time to play with concepts and ideas and part being able to recognize your own good luck. Do you find that during the pandemic that you've done more rewriting? Like maybe it comes out a little rougher to begin with. Mm, that's a good question. I, you know, I, um, I am one of those like Catholic schoolgirls who like, works my behind off all the time. So I actually worked on several projects over the course of the pandemic. And it, with the most recent one, I was actually doing a series of Instagram posts every day where I, um, I had the concept for the story and I had like sort of written an outline for it one day. Um, well, not one day, but you know, over the course of several days. Um, but then I decided when I was starting to draft it, you know, from from you know zero words to I I, I had set myself a goal of fifty thousand words because it's a middle grade novel. Um, I would document the entire thing, and so every day I took a picture of myself or a picture of my desk or a picture of Barkley or or something, and I posted it with the current word count before I started. And in 25 days, I had written the entire outline. And then I started, um, so that was in October. And November, I took a break. And in December, I started longhand editing it, because uh, I, I, that is always part of my process to longhand edit. And then in January, after residency, I started re, you know, like going in and, and making the changes into the document. And last week, Saturday, I realized that this was not the story that I wanted to write at all. So on Sunday, oh, no. I started from scratch. <laughs> oh my gosh. A collective groan goes up from the audience. <laughs> yeah, it was. And the thing is, it's it wasn't like, it's not that the concept of the story has changed or the characters um, um, or even some of the major plot points. It's that... The kid who I thought I was writing, um, it was not that kid. Um, he's a different, it's the same person, the same name and, and, and everything. 
but he's a different person. The way that he approaches things is different than I had thought. Um, the way that he thinks about things, the way that he interacts with people is different. So there was no way to go in to the document that I had and tweak it to fit this whole new person. I really would have to just start over, um, you know, doing it, you know, from the very beginning with this new sensibility in mind, with this new tone in mind. It just, it's not, um, it's not a go through with a scalpel kind of situation. It really is a complete rewrite. Um, and, you know, I, I gotta say, and it, it might be because of the pandemic teaching me patience <laughs> because <laughs> we've all had to have had to have a lot of patience that I did not immediately shut down when I realized that this was going to have to be a, a completely rewritten book. I mean, I was not happy <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also realized that, well, you know, if I'm realizing now, that this has to be different, I am realizing that because it will be better. So, you know, I could sit here and grouse about it, or I can just start. And the, you know, the faster I get started again, the faster I will get it finished again. And that really was just my approach to it. So, so I started Sunday and as of today, I'm actually halfway through and it's only because I'm like the fastest typer in like all of creation. <laughs> um, and because I already know all the plot points and everything, you know, like right, I, I yeah. know where yeah. the story is going. So it was just, you know, adjusting um, for tone and adjusting for um, the way that he would respond um, to, to the situations I already had. So, um, so yes, I've, I've gone through half of it already. Um, it'll, it'll need another solid edit, but right. Yep. Um, it's definitely better than it was. Is that kind of the kill your darlings? Yeah. Kill your darlings moment. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> kill me. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those situations where I just try not to think about it. Like I, I try not to think about myself, you know, like if, cause if I think about myself, I will, you know, feel sad for me and pity me. <laughs> but if I just think about the story, you know, this will be good for the story. Um, then it's easier for me to just, you know, dive in and do it. But, oh my gosh, so much work to just throw away. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it hurt. It, it really hurt, but uh, I know it'll be, I know it'll be worth it, or at least I hope it'll be worth it um, when it's yeah. done. We, we, we shall see because, you know, yeah. sometimes you think you're doing a really good job and then, and then your editor's like, oh no, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Do you have one more piece of advice for us before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. We as creatives tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. You know, this, this idea that it has to be good. It has to be perfect. It has to be, you know, X or Y or Z, which is a thing that could have stopped me last weekend when I realized that this had to be a different book. You know, I could have sat there thinking about, well, why wasn't it perfect the first time? And as a Catholic schoolgirl, that is very much <laughs> a thing that I, I tend to, um, you know, have in my repertoire, you know, that, um, that nun's whip <laughs> that just comes out. 
So <laughs> one of the things we, we talk about in the creativity class is things that you can do to relieve creative pressure. Um, when you do have those moments where you feel like it should have been this way or it should have gone that way or I could have done this better or any of those kinds of very defeating um, words, you know, what are the things that you do to get past that? Because it might not be easy to get past that. You might need um, some stuff. And, you know, that's what your friends and family are for, I tend to say. It's like, why have them around if um, they're not going to be there to earn their keep and um, keep you sane, <laughs> right? It's, it's right. <laughs> right? Like, why did I have children if not to entertain me? Like, <laughs> and take care of me in my old age. Like, <laughs> these are the only uses the two of you have. Entertain me now. Take care of me later. Um, so... You must get a lot of eye rolls in your household. <laughs> Yeah, they just they largely ignore me actually. So that's why I got the that's why I got the dog. <laughs> there you go. There least, you go. At least he pays pays some attention to me. Um, but yeah, you know, like you go to your your people to relieve your um, the the pressure of of working and the idea of being perfect. I I have a lot of writer friends that we are in groups together and we can talk to each other about stuff that's going on get advice you know and it, it's that it's just that kind of thing that sort of like you know puts a little puncture in the in the in the can so that you can like relieve a little pressure so you're not like oh other people think like this too and just even knowing that is something that is helpful or just saying you know what I'm not working today I'm gonna go sit with the kids and I'm gonna watch um you know five hours of amazing gumball or um, I'm going to go take the dog and we are going to go out on a hike. You know, so these are the things that you need to think about because those moments will come. And when those moments come, because it's so easy to get stuck, if you have a plan that's your go-to plan, you can just immediately turn to that, you know, relieve the pressure that you need to relieve so that you can come back to the work more easily and and quicker so you're not sitting there wasting time wasting time in a pandemic why haven't you written 80 books yet you know that's <laughs> right that's yeah situation. <laughs> turn off bridgerton and <laughs> write something yeah well that is great advice um thank you so much for coming on the show today i know this advice is going to be really helpful for our listeners and um hopefully kind of just Maybe, you know, give you a little shove if you've been needing it to to get writing. If people want to watch your videos that are on this topic, what is your website? It is tracybatiste.com. And um, you it, there's a video section in the in the menu. So you would basically just go to tracybatiste.com slash videos. I will link to your website in the show notes. And also if, if people want to hear more from you, you are also on our episode 29 titled Caribbean Mermaids and Evil Spirits with Tracy Batiste. And I will put that link in the show notes as well. And of course, um, you can all find Tracy in our MFA in creative writing program. It's low residency. So it's great for those who are still working full time, raising families, etc. Um, it's a great program um, and I'll have a link to that 
in our show notes as well. Um, if you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to cover on the podcast, you can email me at news at leslie.edu and Leslie is L-E-S-L-E-Y. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode.